Hi, my name's Jim Florentine, and you listen to Mike Sappho's podcast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jackie the Joke Man, and you listen to Mike Sappho's podcast. I'm Howard Stern, and you're listening to Mike Sappho's podcast. <laughs> Round table with two of my favorite authors and my brother Chad Zumach. What's up, boys? We're on beterrific.tv. I promised Michael we would say that. Stay tuned for a great show. Tell him who's here. The great Jim Florentine. The great Jim Florentine. The iconic Jackie Martling. The great who? <laughs> the iconic Jackie Martling. I can't yes. wait to see what you have to say about me. Go ahead. Cleveland Cavaliers fan, Chad Zumach. <laughs> That's all I am. <laughs> Zumach. Poison Zumach. Well, first of all, Jim, thanks for not canceling. You canceled on us last minute last time. You don't have to say that. I didn't. No, no, that was a shitty way to start an I interview. I got stood up last time. I felt yeah. bad. It's tough for me to get in at like 4 o'clock on, on like Thursday. I got a kid I got to take care of and shit, you know. And, Jackie, you're down with Willie Nelson. The truth is hanging out. going to take the kid to the parade for the, for the football team, which that's the greatest thing in the world that you did that. No, the Eagles? Oh, that's right. What was your son down with the Eagles? Yeah, Everyone? yeah, he went to the – yeah. He's that's not, great. That's the that's yeah. You got to do those things with the kid, and then you take pictures of it because the kids always come back. I've gotten advice from dads that take pictures of everything, document it, because when they say you didn't take me anywhere, I go all right. Let me just open right. this fucking photo I, album. I was so excited about Philadelphia winning that I, I kidnapped somebody and took that kid to the parade. You know, <laughs> Beautiful. That city was going to burn down. I'm selling my book, Bowder Stern, right there. Jim's selling a book. What's the name of your book? Uh, everybody is awful except you. That's wonderful. Now, you guys, are, you guys are both published authors, but let's get to it as that a child. That sounded great. How professional. Right? Published authors. I know. Hello, published author. How are you? So let me, let me get in the fanboy mode right now, because as a child, a young guy in college, Howard Stern was everything to me, and hearing you guys on the air was like, I never thought I'd be sitting across from you. So, so what is, are you saying, I'm, that we're I'm, old? I'm not feeling too good <laughs> about him. Right? I know, See, like child, when I was a child. You can never finish but... a thing here with him. Oh, you need to finish it? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying you have a, you're setting him no, up as a, as a child, like, not a child, a young man, like you guys are the reason why I'm in this profession. So now, right now in New York City, I'm here facing, uh, you know, two, two of my iconic figures in my comedy world. That's, that's very flattering. And not only that, but Cleveland was a, a big one. Now, For the where, Stern where Show. Were you, where were you... Uh, when Kennedy was shot. Where were you when the guy cut the wires? I remember that. I remember listening. Do you know the guy? We were on the air. I worked for that station, WMMS. And we're broadcasting live from Cleveland to wherever, you know, 50 other stations. And the guy physically cut the cord, like cut the umbilical cord of, of our of our broadcast. And, and cut the you know what happened? Six months later, the, the owner of Mel Carmerson, who owned the whole... He hired the guy because no. the guy had eye of the tiger. He said, that's the kind of guy I want working for me. Yeah, it was a, comp- a competitive you know, radio station okay. that, hated, that Howard blew out of the water and was having a funeral, I guess, for him or whatever. And they cut the cord on their feed so the, the radio. See, I remember because when he went to Philadelphia, he destroyed the Bella. <clears throat> and then he was just going all over the country, taking it place by place. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and, you know, it's so funny because Joey Butterfuco's name still comes up, you know, for years he actually knew who I was before the whole thing because he lived two doors away from the guy that owned Governor's Comedy Shop. So he was already wearing Stump the Joke Man t-shirts on the beach and everything. <laughs> and he was a crazy man. And I had his card, you know, uh, Long Island Auto, whatever it was, Joey, with his number. And I had it in my wallet. And back in the early 90s, his name came up every two seconds. And about, about five years ago, I took it out of my wallet because it was literally, the business card was round. From taking that pocket so many <laughs> really? times, it was it was just amazing character. But when Debella, when we finally beat Debella in like 1989, and we had the funeral at Rittenhouse Square, 
I don't remember if we chopped the bell's head off or whether we hung him, but Joey Buttafuoco was the executioner. He was. And he had on a black hood and everything. Google it. You can see it. It's amazing. I want to ask two things about the Stern, the Stern Show because you were on it at different times. When you came on it, it affected your life because you came on it and your sales went from what, like three to like a thousand to third when you Yeah. Came no, it definitely made my career when I when I came on the show. That's, fun, that's so funny because it did exactly the opposite when I left. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say because you guys came on at different times. Like you were on it as it was becoming the most important radio show of all time. You're on the freight train and you came on it like, hey, we're ready. The Beatles of radio. You came on and the next day it was in your book. Like you're, you became a household name. And Jim was, was a fan. Of, Jim that, was a fan. That was the radio. Well, not even the radio. It was the show business equivalent of going on the Tonight Show. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're inserted into the vein of America. You know? well, I was just featuring the comedy clubs and as soon as I went on there, plugged it for two days, I sat in for two straight days, I sold out five shows at the Improv in Pittsburgh or whatever. So, But you know, it was weird because when Jackie was on the show, they really didn't have unknown comics come in. You had to be pretty much established. You had Gilbert, you know, Kennison, Goldthwait. I fought for years because I was very good. Me and Rich Jenny had gone on the road in the early 80s and he was a very dear friend and I fought and fought and they would never have him on and when Howard finally had him on after I left you know he thought he had me he said he said Rich you know Jackie used to always give us this whole line that uh, that no Jenny said Jackie used to always give me this line that he was pitching me all the time to get on the show and I never got on the show he said Did, was that true and Cow Howard could have sandbagged me he said no, it's true. He said he fought for you. And he probably didn't get on because I wanted him on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like one of those things, you know. Jackie wants it. I'm against it. That's right. right. That's right, because Jenny started coming on the show after right, after you were off. Yeah. Well, when you were gone, everybody jumped in your seat in a second. That was the hottest thing in radio. You know, after Artie Lang did the forward to my book, and he also did the audio What's that book oh, called, Jackie? It's the joke, man. Bow to Stern. I didn't have it when I was on your crap hole show over there in Cleveland there, Chad. But, uh, but everybody's like, hey, that's so great that Artie did you forward. It's great that you guys are getting along again. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He came on eight months after I was gone. They, they had everybody but uh, Sacco and Vanzetti in that seat before, before Artie got there. Now, who was all in that seat? It was like Chappelle, Stanhope, Florentine... Um, I know Ron Zimmerman did. I Ron know Zimmerman, that, uh, Greg what's this guy that fought with John? That, that AJ oh, Benza. AJ Benza. Greg Fitzsimmons, Adam Carolla. Jesus. Now, those guys all sat in for those a day. Those are heavy hitters. I wasn't, you know. They were always coming in and out, you know what I mean? Like, we'd always get a day, like two or three days a month, we all did a rotation. And then after about six months, they hired Artie to do full time. Did you feel bad, Jim? No. no. I didn't at all. I was offered a job. I was just happy I was there. <laughs> I didn't give a shit. You know, I don't know if they're going for the best guy. They might, you know, there's such thing as being too funny in that seat. You know, Billy West was too funny. You know, and I don't even know the story, but I would guess he was too funny. You know. What, one more thing about the Stern Show and one more thing about comics. So Jim comes on my podcast and I'm like, oh, I need somebody to take a picture of us. So I went over to some dude and he's getting his camera ready. It's like the five seconds of awkwardness. I'm like, uh, so, you know, I had uh, Jackie on and Jim's like, oh, 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 I haven't seen him in forever. And I get all nervous. Like let's Facetime him. And Jim's like, oh, it's all right. We Facetime Jackie. Like I just oh, figured. Oh, Jim must have hated that. Yeah, and then Jackie, you called right back. And I, I gave Jim the phone. Jim's like, oh, hey, and I'm like, because I'm one of those idiots that thinks every comedian is just a friend. Like, you guys are all buddies. Well, I've known Jackie a for a long time. Absolutely. A long time. Yeah, I was nervous. I'm like, oh, let, let's call Jackie. No, I voted for Jackie before, even before I got on the Stern Show. Oh, really? Some gigs. We were in uh, the world's worst movie together. What movie is that? Do you remember that? Yeah, which uh, Rules for Men. Oh, rules for men. Yes. Wait, yes. Wait, what is that? 
I yeah. was I was Larry the lawyer. <laughs> it was so great because um, directed by Martin Scorsese. It was it was by this guy Ken Del Vecchio who's done seventeen movies and somehow each one is worse than the one before. But everybody was in that movie. Otto and George was there, and yeah. I had to fight with Otto, and I got so mad at Otto that I had to choke the dummy. But it was actually funny. But Kenny Kramer was in it, and and uh, what's his name? They played the psychiatrist, the, 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 the impressionist, the old guy. Oh, I, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, I, I have a copy of the film somewhere. Oh, it was, it was great fun. But I came in as a client, maybe. We, yeah, we, yeah, me and you, you had a yeah, scene you, together. Yeah, we, we sat. I, I was a lawyer, and you sat there, and you were itching and crazy, and yeah. you were seeing things or whatever. You remember and, this, Jim? Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this and, when you became SAG? <laughs> no, I think I got a hundred. My bucks. wife played the lawyer. I mean, my wife played the judge, and Vinnie Pastore was, was Mr. Bowles. That was his name in the movie. This is before. The What's the name of this movie? I never Mr. heard of Bowles, this. Rules for Men. Oh, God. Yeah, rules for men. Yeah. Chad, you want to watch it one night, Chad? You have a copy of VHS? I don't know. Actually, yeah. It's, you it's know probably it's probably on the web. And you know what? It's it's actually fun. You know, the guy said to me, he said, I'm gonna make the what happened was my wife was in the movie and they, I was on I was out of the Stern show because I was trying to get more money. <laughs> and she said, Hey, my husband's not doing anything. He's from the Stern show. And I said, Whoa. So he puts me in the movie and he said, I want to use uh, let's get drunk and screw for the opening scene. And I said that's going to cost you more than it than it's going than your budget. He says, "Well, why don't you just sing it?" I said, "Because that's going to sing. That's going to cost you as almost as much as as Jimmy Buffett singing it." I said, "I have a, a beer drinking song. I'll record it at my own expense if you'll put it in a movie." So he said, "All right." I recorded the song. It's been like four movies already, and the opening scene is this Bobby Capelli's the lawyer, and he's in bed with a lady midget. And there's a sombrero, and my song is playing, and it's, it's hysterical. It's, you know, it's a horrible movie, but doesn't that sound funny? I mean, you got a, a lady midget and a sombrero. How can you go wrong? You know, you shined. you shined. My wife is there, and I had just gotten let back into the being able to be a lawyer, and because I had been suspended for five years or something, and I'm there, and she says something to the guy, to Capelli, and I'm his assistant. And I cursed at the judge, at the judge, and she threw me out. And they said, "All right, your your scene is, you have to curse out the judge on your way out the door." So I had to curse out my wife. I'm like, yeah, you didn't have to. How long you wanted to take? The the last thing I said, you can barely hear it as I'm just going through the door. I said, "Get cancer, you cunt!" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry, be terrific. I, sometimes you just gotta use. Now they're gonna have to edit live shit now because you, Jackie. I don't care. <laughs> How long have you been doing comedy? But Jackie? that was easy. That was easy to yell at your uh, wife yeah, in that I, scene. I said, "Come on, let's do a few things." Right. <laughs> Jim, that wasn't even part of the movie. Jim, he was just talking <laughs> shit. He had to go right. method. It, yeah. was, it was great, great fun. How I've long have you doing been doing comedy? I I didn't start till I was 31, so I'm all screwed up. Like you know, Seinfeld's like 10 years younger than me. You know, so you're 46 now. Yeah, so I'm 43. <laughs> but I wasn't a comic. I was a, I was a musician and a bad one. And when I got thrown out of my last band, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I knew every joke in the world. So I said, let me try telling them on stage. And it worked. And so I just never looked back. And, you know, for a long time, when when I first started, when we started comedy on Long Island, uh, it was me and Minervini. You know Richie Minervini? Yeah, Richie Minervini, and, yeah. And the guys in New York heard about the guy from Long Island that tells old jokes. You know, they go, they thought I picked up a joke book and said, let me go up there. They didn't know 
my entire life, I've been collecting these things in my head. It's just I knew every joke in the world. And then one by one, they come out to work for us, and I meet them, and they go, oh, that guy's reasonably funny, you know. But it was, it was so, it was the Wild West back then, you know, an amplifier and a speaker and a microphone, and, you know, you fight the people off, and I'll tell the jokes, you know. But it was, it was great. And you, did a, you started with Eddie Murphy right around that time, too? You know, <clears throat> uh, there was a place called My Father's Place, and my band used to play there. And once in a blue moon, it was, a, you know, Springsteen had played there and Steve Goodman and the whole world had played there. So to get a gig there was a big deal. And it's me and another guy playing guitar. And Epi, who's still around, and the whole world knows Epi, Michael Epstein, he's such a cheap piece of crap. That my band <laughs> Should we is, cut this out? My, my band, my, no, he's my good friend. I talked to him yesterday. <laughs> my band is playing at my father's place. And we got all our fans, you know, both of them. <laughs> We're all excited. And we go to do our sound check, and the guy rented out the place in the afternoon to ABC TV to do gong show auditions to make a few dollars. So we couldn't do a sound check. I'm like, this is annoying. And these guys got up and did comedy, and one of them was Minervini. And I watched me. He doesn't like this story. I saw Minervini. I said, I'm funnier than this guy. You know? And I went up to him, and I said, uh, you know, how'd you get to be a, this is a true story. I said, how'd you get to be a comedian? He says, simple. He says, I had cards made. So funny. So and then funny. Richie had the club, right? He no, the... no, no. Oh, that was just so before he's, the club. So he invited me to Dixon's, Richard M. Dixon's White House. And this guy had his face changed to look like Richard M. Nixon. And he was such an annoying guy. And Minervini, I used to have, the guys used to come to my, I had a gig at, at a couple of different clubs where I played guitar and sang and told jokes. And there was no place to go up anywhere. So Bob Nelson and Eddie Murphy and Rob Bartlett and Minervini and Hawthorne and Woods, all those guys would come to my gig and get to do five minutes because it was a microphone and a place to perform. And they said, you should come to Dixon's. And I went to Dixon's. With my, I was still playing the guitar, and I was so horrible. But, you know, Murphy was there and, and Woods and Hawthorne and the whole gang. But Dixon wouldn't pay anybody. He'd only give us $5 and free beer. And we said, this sucks. And Richie said, hey, I found this club that said they're going to let us have a night if we want it. So I had an amplifier and the speakers, and we did a night at this place, Cinnamon in Huntington. And it took off like wildfire. That's why I started the joke line, 5169221, was to promote that show. And all of a sudden, the guys are coming out from the city. And, you know, they're doing their shows in the city at the comic strip for five bucks and a hamburger. They're coming out to our place. They're getting laid, smoking pot, drinking for free. And making 50 bucks. And Eddie Murphy's coming out. No, he's already out there. He's, but, you know, he was, he was so cocky. For, when I met him, I met him. He's like 16 years old. And he's like, I'm going to be bigger than the Beatles. And everybody's like, yeah, Eddie. And then he was bigger than the Beatles. Probably, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's Jim's son's thing. I go to Jim's book signing at the, at the stand. His seven-year-old son grabs the mic and he was doing what he does minutes now yeah yeah he was up there doing jokes oh that's great that's oh he great. loves it he tells got, dirty jokes too yeah yeah he's got four jokes that's so far it's but, great yeah but, but, but i'll tell you this so i walk into the stand and i'm like all right you know it's his book signing i'm like i see chad in front we're like the first people there and luke's there and i'm like oh jimmy i'll buy like a few books i know a few people want some books luke takes it what's your name he writes in his little handwriting he signs the book Oh, that's great. Oh, it was great. Yeah, he made sure. He, he goes, I got to sign them all, too, if I'm oh, here. So, he, so it's, yeah, it says Mike, like, in a silly writing. He signs it. He goes, Dad. Jim signs it. And then Jim goes downstairs. Chad introduced Florentine. Florentine comes up. I'm sorry. Flor- you introduced Chad. Chad comes up and does some jokes. Like, he did minutes. He was heckling his dad. Dude, that was great. 
He yeah. has balls too, the kid. He, he, he was telling funny jokes, dirty jokes. That was great. No, because Chad's last name is Zumok, and he just walks, he, and Chad stays in my house a lot. And he, my son's, he's seven. He's like, Dad, Chad's last name Zumok. That's gay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a gay last well, name. Oh, you're gonna have yeah. your hands full with <laughs> know, that kid. But man. Jackie, he if goes, you don't already, I know. he goes up. So everyone's like, oh, he's he's gonna be a cute little kid. You know, his long hair, like good looking little kid. And he's telling a joke, and the punchline's like. What do you say with the, the batter? Like you have two. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no strikes and two balls or something. And this seven year old, like, you have no strikes and two balls, and everyone just starts laughing. Like, dude, this seven year old kid is telling great jokes, man. You know, the, the, the best part is the whole story Luke's seven. Uh, I'm probably going to be uh, hitting him up for feature week here in about <laughs> seven years. <laughs> is that what he wants to do, though, Jim? He wants to. I think so, but you never, you never know what might change. But he plays music, too, so. He goes up and sings in my nephew's band. So he's been on stage a lot. He loves it. And he wasn't nervous. Like, you know, people get nervous. Like, the mics were on. Me and Chad were like, oh, we're a little nervous. He grabbed the mics. He, he was doing minutes. You know, I loved this really hot chick walked by. And I'm like, and Chad goes, oh, get her name. Because you guys were supposed to know her. And he's like, no, no, no. He was cool with everyone except the hot chick. He got a little nervous, the oh, hot yeah. chick. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, he already does it at seven. A hot chick walks by. He's like, would you? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, would you? And he's like, what does that mean? I go, it just means would you want to be your girlfriend? <laughs> Jim Myers had Jim Myers' son was six years old, and somehow they had him on TV because he actually used to get up and tell jokes sometimes. And they put him on one of the t- early morning TV shows with George Burns, you know, the youngest comedian and the oldest comedian. And they put the there was a Long Island comedians movie called. Um, oh, was that uh, with all the comics? In yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was that uh, I forget because there's the poster. Private Eye, Ryder P.I. Ryder P.I. So yeah. M- Myers' kid was in the movie, and Myers said, "You know what?" How often is it going to happen that I'm in a movie and my son's in a movie? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get us a limousine. And of course, it was in like a bow tie cinema and a little thing. And I was out of town doing a gig, but all the comedians go to this movie that was put together with a wing and a prayer. And they all went in. Everybody's happy and how you doing? Wow, we're in a movie. And and and, and Myers said, he said when we came out, it was a different story. He said the movie was so bad. I was glad that I blew $150 on a limo so we'd have tinted windows. <laughs> 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 That's funny. So fun. Hey, so, so fun. I know you guys are doing a favor. Just You're in the city. You come on my show and stuff. But how is the promotion you're for the pants? Book? Yeah, right. I know. No gas money? No, please. I, I bought you guys water. I would have bought you guys drinks. but I You like bought them water. I I'll bought just, the water thing. I'll just take the money. How is the book thing going? Because you were on Stone Cold's podcast. Like you've, You're going coast to coast. Are you over it yet or no? No, I'm still promoting it. You know, it's, it's good. You know, you oh, get you out there. Oh, you never stop. I'm doing a book signing at Dolphin Books in... in Port Washington, and I'm do- in a local town, Oyster Bay. I'm doing a signing at Oyster Bay picture framing, and it's, it, I enjoy them. Do you enjoy? Yeah, them? absolutely. Do a little Q and A. You get a little board. nervous if you don't, if people don't show up. You're not sure how it's going to go. Uh, you know, but um, no, it's, knock it's on wood, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, as it's been it tapers great. off. Let, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to ask you because you told me like I'm like, oh, when are you are you free? Like, oh, I'm doing a signing at the stand, and I live two blocks away. So I go to the stand, and Chad and I were like the first two there. It starts at 5.30. So I was nervous. I'm like, oh, I hope people show up because I don't want you to look like a dick, like just standing there with all these books. Does it get weird when someone comes over and like kind of recites your joke or stumps you? Because they come over to you like, hey, Jim, uh, I don't do fantasy football. Like when they try to set you up, doesn't it get awkward because you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that sucks. And that's the awkward like 30-second waiting no, there. I think it's we, isn't it always flattering? Yeah, it is flattering. Is and it? We, we've been around drunks our whole life. Okay. I'm sure Jackie, too. So we just know, we just, or just awkwardness. 
And people, you know, whether they're drunk or sober, just saying stupid stuff to you. So you just let it roll off your Especially shoulder. Especially when they think they're going to make you feel awkward. Because they're yeah, just, just not. Yeah, they're not. not exactly. At th- not we, at this point. I know. We, we did comedy in strip clubs. You're not going <laughs> to make us feel awkward. I put out a joke book in 1979 before, you know, my mother didn't even know I was around yet. And I had a joke book signing at a new mall in Suffolk County at the other end of Long Island. And my brother-in-law came with me he had just married my sister and the bookstore was in this brand new mall that nobody knew was there and the bookstore was at the end of the mall and whoever was the books were piled up as a little joke book jack you know jackie jackie's uh, fantastic joke book or whatever and they're piled all around me and i'm sitting there right in front of the doorway and my brother-in-law's there and you know your brother-in-law loves to break your balls you know and i'm sitting there and the place I mean nobody. Not even, you know, I mean nobody. And I know he's tickled pink. He can't wait to get home and tell the family, you know, and I'm sitting there, you know. And all of a sudden, I can remember this like it was yesterday. This person comes in and comes walking up to me, and I'm like, and they go, where are the books on geography? (laughs) (laughs) My brother was like, ah! It was like the worst thing. And he told that story. For a million years, you know. That's oh, funny. God. See, I get nervous when I see you guys have books signings. Like, I was there. Like, we got there. What time? It started five thirty. There was books lined up at five thirty. Like, I was the only one in there. I'm like, oh, eventually they sold out. Like, embarrassing people, is when yeah. you're at a gig and nobody shows up. Well, that, yeah, signing. when you sell merchandise after a gig, it's like if the first person that shows up and everyone else is walking by, you just make conversation <laughs> with that person so it looks like it's busy at right. your table. <laughs> yeah. Like, you hold it as you, long as you can. Yeah, where'd you grow up? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm in St. Louis. I know nothing about it. I don't Do you know? Sh- what I really? Oh wow! Is that, is that like in the suburbs? You know, just to keep it going. Right, like, right. okay, there's some action. Wow, there's a li- wait, there's a line there. It's, <laughs> it's like putting a ten dollar bill in the tip jar. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what I do now is I do my show, and at the end of my show, I play Stump the Joke Man, right? And I'll have three girls or five girls, ten girls on stage, and I do all the guys, and then I do the girls one at a time. And when I get to the last girl, I give everybody their prizes, I take my bag, hand her the microphone, and I say, not yet. And I walk to the back of the room, and I say, I'm walking out here. So you're going to have to feel guilty walking past me when you don't buy anything. Right. So normally, by the time you get to the front, they're all gone. So they, and then she yells a joke, and I yell the answer, and then I'm, you know, I'm ready That's to head them off at the pass. Yeah, you got to get them. I know. As Chad goofy knows. as it is and as funny as it is, it, it actually works. It works. I remember, you know, um, before I was even doing comedy, seeing Jack at the Club and A. This old pl- this uh, theater in Jersey and just go and watching the show it was amazing. He brings girls on stage just showing their tits. It was just a great show. It was like a rock show. And then afterwards, he was selling his stuff, and I was so excited to meet him. I got a picture with him. I bought his book. He's like, "What do you want, you fuck?" Go, Give me two books. Get a T-shirt too, you cheap fuck. All right, I'll get that too. And I was like, "This is awesome." Jackie's making fun of me. I get a picture with him. So it was just it was fucking great. Just oh, to- now, twelve grand in cash. See the, the pitch twenty. Nice club and ben- Mr. Benet. Yeah, the old mafioso. So, you know, yeah, to give you that little shitty dinner oh, before, right, right. yeah, the hey. salad, and then <laughs> don't tell anybody, but you can have a steak. Yeah, you can have a steak. Whoa, yeah. Mr. Benet. Oh, whoa. see, the picture thing's clutch. All everybody gives a shit is the pictures to put on Instagram and shit. So I went down. Not to in those days. Big people barely but I'm had a coat. Now, like, I went down to see you in Point Pleasant, and you do it so strategically good. You finish up, you go right in the corner. You had the little table in front of you. And to, you had to come up to you. You had to buy something. You felt like you couldn't be like, hey, good show, and leave the shit right there. You couldn't do it. 
I don't mind if someone doesn't buy anything. If they want a picture, that's fine. I'm not going to force them. I, mean, I I'd see, rather I them. See, actually see people standing with the thing, and, and I actually say, don't worry, you don't have to buy anything, because they're thinking, like, what, am I a dick if I ask for a picture and don't pay for it? <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. The best is when they're, when they're trying to get a shirt. Yeah. And if you they, you know you don't have any extra larges left, they go an extra large. I'm like, I only got large or two X. Like, oh man, I go the large are really big. <laughs> I know. I do I do the or same thing. Or, or, or the two X and two X run small. Oh, they shrink. Yeah. 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 Oh, they shrink. No problem. Whatever you want to hear. <laughs> I do it too. I learned it from you. What, wait, what'd you learn? Oh, I, the large they run small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. You, yeah. You want it? I got to a point where I had L and XL, and I think double XL, but I had bright pink, bright blue. You know those fluorescent colors: blue, pink, yellow, L, XL. I had heather gray, and I had. However many different cassettes, this is long before CDs, and I did a show at Rascals that was completely packed. And the, behind me, you should see the pictures, it's like my bags, you know, the different size shirts and the different this and tons of stuff. And I did my show, said thank you, and walked way to the, you know, to the back in West Orange, and then the MC goes up and says goodnight, and then I go back up on stage and sell my stuff. And people are, you know, like a cow walks and all of a sudden the cows follow him. I'm way in the back and somebody kind of is looking at the stage and kind of, and the person just helped themselves to the shirt. Locusts. <laughs> Locusts. <laughs> the stage was empty. The one person did it. So everybody's like, he did it. And they. We're good to go. They took it. And that happened, not only happened there, it happened one other time. Wait, what I, did you do though? When it, I'm, an, I'm, I'm well, you didn't They're, say anything? I'm, on, I'm in the back of Rascals. They're in the front. That, you know, by the time I oh, got right. up there. Oh, right. Okay, right, right. I I'm see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. happened to me at Caroline's in Manhattan. They wiped me out. And I'm, Peter Bales was open. He, was, he said it was the greatest thing you ever saw. Look at him stealing Martling's crap. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Horrible. I'm happy they stole what your shit. What do you do? Give me that. Get, you yeah. know. You can't get it back, you know. Now, I, I, I want to go back to this. I know it's well documented. It's probably in your book, and it was the movie Private Parts. But when did you and Stern actually first cross paths? How did that come together? That's the greatest story in my book. Okay, we'll save it for the uh, book. No, no, who cares? But Cliff Notes. No, I, I bought I, three books. We can talk about it, please. I was, <laughs> I was um, trying to be a comedian. We're putting on these shows, <clears throat> and I, there's two things you don't do if you're a comedian. You don't tell old jokes, and you don't laugh at yourself. That's all I do, is those two things. <laughs> so, so we're doing these shows at this place, Cinnamon in Huntington, and I came home and I said to my, I had worked in a recording studio. And I said to my girlfriend, I said, they laughed every t at every joke. They roared. I should make an album. She said, so don't look at me, make an album. So this, we're in a, in a bar room. You know, and I had an amplifier, Fender guitar amplifier, with a, a thing they fixed up for me so it could take a low impedance microphone. And I recorded all my shows into a cassette player. If you know anything about audio, so the left side of the, of the stereo was me, you know, Y connected to the people and into the thing, and the crowd microphones went to the right. And I had recorded my shows. I went home and mixed the, me and the crowd onto a reel-to-reel. -reel oh, damn. And edited with a, with a razor blade, just like I did up till the, up my second CD. I was still doing that. And... 
I borrowed 100 bucks from 15 different people. And I had in my eighth grade class picture, I'm giving the finger. <laughs> and I put that on, my, on the wall of my mother's attic, which is where Jokeland was with all the 92 wine uh, machines. And people are like, why do you have that picture up there? Oh, it's going to be a cover of my comedy album. And they're like, yeah, a cover right. of my comedy album. And I raised 1500 bucks. I had an edited tape. I took a few pictures and sent it to Nashville. And I'm telling you, I never had kids, but I can't imagine it being more exciting. I went to the Port Authority to pick up my thousand albums. I thought I had given birth. I was like, like I died and went to heaven. So by 1982, I had three albums, one worse than the other. You know, what did you expect? <laughs> you, would get, you would get a thousand no. albums made at a time? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It and, was a lot uh, cheaper to do it. Right, and, more. You know, and I sold them for five bucks. <clears throat> and this is way in the beginning. Now you can't go to a club where somebody's not selling their crap. I had my albums. And at the end of the show, I'd stand at the door. And, you know, the people go, you know, how they go. You were great, you know. Like, right. Or you were great. And, and then go, to the, you know, like. <laughs> you were funny, too. Yeah, you were funny, too. Uh, oh, you won the show, you know. And uh, so I'd stand there and I'd sell albums. And the guys would break my balls. Like, make, look at the, look what, at the, the other comedians. Yeah, like, you know, for what I look at Jackie Pedler. So you kind of pioneered it for and all, all of us. And all of a sudden, one day, somebody's like, we made 30 bucks, and he made an extra 80 selling his albums. Wait a minute. Maybe he's not that stupid, right? So by 1982, I had three comedy albums out, and my girlfriend, who became my wife, we sent them to everybody. If I ran into you on the street, give me your card. You, know? you were and the godfather of merch. I, I really was, and I would send them. <laughs> you should hear the stories. I should write a book just about the stories about people that remember me giving them albums or sending them albums or whatever. And... Uh, it's 19, and we're sending, we got to the point where I had three albums, and we'd send, if I met you, and you were, oh, I'm thinking open a comedy club, oh, whoa, give me a card, you'd get three albums, the matching cassettes, and all the promo, and me and Nancy sent out three or four hundred sets of these things, just throwing crap against the wall, we didn't know what we were doing, by now I'm running Governor's Comedy Shop, so I got money coming in. And I'm working in Garvin's in Washington, D.C., and, and Harry Montecrusos, the owner, says, hey, there's a guy that just got fired from the radio here. He used to do live broadcasts in his underwear on Friday mornings. He's out of his mind. He, he probably really hit it off with the guy, and he's going to New York City. So I came home, and just like we sent out 400 of them, Howard Stern, care of WNBC AM. AM. I, I know who he was. I didn't know anything about radio. I was a hippie that listened, you know, to listen to rock and roll. And I sent them blank, uh, blindly to WNBC. And a couple months later, Nancy calls me up in my mother. I'm in my mother's attic. And she said, that guy Howard Stern wants you to call him. So I called up and he got on the phone right away. and said, listen, you know, we've been here a couple months. I finally listened to your albums. You know every joke. You want to come in and hang out on the air today? I went in, hung out with Howard and Fred and Robin. And at the end of the day, they said, you're a lot of fun. Come back next week. Boom. He just as well could have said, oh, albums, and throw, you know. But I had th it was impressive. I had three comedy albums. I wasn't any good, yeah. Yeah, but I had three comedy albums. You know, it's like the Tin Man. You know, you just need a testimonial. So you then know? you would do like a joke contest right on the air, right? Well, People I was on once a week, and then we, we needed a piece of business, so we started doing Stump the Joke, Stump the Comedian. And people would call in. Of course, people didn't have decent jokes or else they were too filthy. So Fred started calling in as this, uh, you know, sexually ambiguous grandmother. And it was, and it just got, you know, got great. And then he got fired and then he got rehired. And then when he went to mornings, 
we went to the mall. Yeah. Right, and you you were do were you doing I was mornings full time? Uh, uh, no, right I was doing one day a week, and he called me up. It's funny because when he called me and told me we were going to mornings, I was in the I was at the same club where I had gotten the DWI a couple of years before with Ricky Cheeks with the scar. Yeah. I'll never forget it. And he said we're going to mornings, and I need a price for two days a week. So I didn't know anything, so I gave him a crazy, crazy low price, and we went to mornings, and I was on two days a week. But not to blow myself, but he was funnier when I was there because I was passing him notes. And in all the years and all the millions of dollars and everything, our entire business transaction was, I'm um, going to mornings, uh, I want you to come in two days a week and do your thing with the notes. That was my business. That was the proposition. That was our entire business conversation because slowly but surely I'd been handing him notes. And I went in two days a week and then, you know, he wrestled with Tom. You know, the, I was the always... The premise was had to get it from Tom. You right. Know. Tom Gisano? Yeah. So then I went to three days, four days, and within, I think, a month or two, I was up to five days a week. And then went to Philadelphia and then forget it. You know, the world, the world. The history exploded. of radio changed. Really, the history of radio changed with that show. Everybody said that radio's local. You can't do a morning show in another town. And that was, that was not even a, a theory. That was... That was radio law. Yep. I didn't know anything about radio, but they said, no, no, it's local. Yeah, they didn't want a New York guy coming into Philly talking especially, about New York. Especially a New Yorker. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And especially Philly and, New, you know, so. And it went on Philly and Washington, D.C., and we went to the moon. And it was like, just, just, I woke up one day a couple of years later and I was a millionaire. I'm like, when, when did this happen? You know, I sent the guy my dick jokes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love this about Jackie. I remember I, I would do clubs and he was there the week before or whatever, like, he goes, the guy sells every ticket. He sells out, but he only wants to do one show. He doesn't want to do it the second show. He goes, and then we could have sold out two shows. He's drinking with people after the first show. Like, you're here. Why don't you do another show? He goes, no, I don't want to do it. No, he goes, but meanwhile, he hung out and it's he It's like somebody tells you you've got to bang a girl twice. That wrecks both of them. Right. <laughs> you know? I love that. Just one show. One right? show. Well, yeah. And he goes, but he would hang out. It's not like so he, he was, was there anyway. He was there anyway. Like, why wouldn't he just do another show? No, it's like, no. So much fun. So much fun. And that's good. I love that you did that because no, no comic wants to do a second show. No, no. You want to get that one killer one over with. You don't right, want to go, now right, you got to get right. it back up again for the second and one. I, and I go balls out. You know, I do an hour, an hour and 15 minutes and then stump the joke, man. Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it again. Hey, how about Bangul? You know. <laughs> You'd rather just hang out for an hour and have a drink with yeah. everybody. That's great. <laughs> Greatest. What? Keep up. I didn't work that. I didn't. Like this. I'm. I gotta shut up. Let somebody else. I'm, I'm, I feel like Jack, I'm bothering the question. whole. No, Jackie. We want to talk to you. Go the ahead. the. I didn't always do shows uh, during the week. You know, very. It, it, kind, it got more and more rare because you know you know the hours. It was Get just right. absurd. But early on, you know, they wag money in front of you. You know, like. Like I could do a, a Rascals or a Funny Bone in Philadelphia on an off night. A night would be dark. They would have 10 people or no people, and I could sell out on a Thursday night, and they give me the door, and they still make out like bandits, and I'm walking away with a fortune. So I was recording for my first CD at the Funny Bone in Philadelphia, and I think about what I did in those days, and I get exhausted because it's everything for me to get out of bed and go down and have breakfast. Get up in the morning in, in, on Long Island and drive. Hi, sweetheart. Hey, Jack. Oh. Get, up, get up in the morning, 4.30, drive all the way to Manhattan. <laughs> Hi, sweetheart. Do the radio show. Right. Drive to Philadelphia. 
go to the funny bone, unload all my bags, set up my tape recorder, hang the microphones, go back and have like maybe an hour nap at the hotel, come back, do the show, do the stump the joke man, get done, take down the microphone, the, the tape recorder, the whole big thing, load everything in my car, and then go get drunk with the waitresses and the bartenders across the street. And I got done with all this, and I, I had to leave Philadelphia, I, I think it was at 3.30, to, make, to be sure I was going to be home. I mean, I, I was going to be in New York City sitting at my chair at 6 o'clock. So you would go right to, to, from Philly so to K-Rock. I get back to the hotel at 3.15, I think it's a true story. And I called the front desk and I said, can I have a wake-up call for 3.30? <laughs> she said, that's 15 minutes from now. I said, I know, but I'm so tired. If I lie down and close my eyes, you'll never see me again. And I'm not going to sit here and watch the clock for 15. So I went, and, and drove. And it, and it was, I'm sure with you, like there were mornings where I'd sit there and we'd do the show. And all of a sudden... Thanks, we'll see you tomorrow. And it's like 11.30. And I look, and there's the stack of the jokes that I wrote. I'm like, what happened? You know, I, I'm not even there. You know, I was like. Well, some of the famous e-moments, I know we're talking a lot about Howard Stern, but the, one of the famous e-moments is you showing up late and they make it funny, you smelling like Heineken, showing late, you were in Atlantic City late. Those were you like know, the It's so funny because they the would make fun moments. of it like crazy. And it probably happened three times. I was never, ever late. You know, but. Oh, when you were be late once, you know. I remember, but I remember being on an expressway, and the whole world's listening to the show, and he's going, "Yeah, Jack, he's late again." Jack, and all the cars like, "Get to work, you asshole!" You know, they're all watching, and they see me. You know, so they made I, New York a very small. I did place. afternoon drive, and I would show up to work smelling like Heineken, and so I can only imagine doing mornings. It's another world. It was such a small room. In the, the original place, in, right? The in original K-Rock room was super was small. Was a tiny place, and I don't know anything, and. We, me and Nancy would make like a lamb and have all our friends over. And I'd put like 18 cloves of garlic in the lamb. And the more I'd walk into the show and they'd be like, because every pore of my body would reek of garlic. And I didn't smell it. I didn't know. I was drunk, you know. Now, Jim, when you first did the Stern show, were you like, like did you, were you up all night preparing? Were you nervous or were you just like? No, I just, you know, uh, yeah, I was nervous, definitely. But um I probably went to bed early. I just remember sitting in for the whole show. Yeah. I went on years ago when you were still on the show with Vinnie Mazio Jr., the guy who lit his penis on fire. He was a neighbor of mine. Is he still alive? I don't. I think so. I haven't seen him in probably 10 years. But um, And he, I was a neighbor, so he brought me in because he was going on the show all the time. And I was just starting doing comedy. And I remember how it goes. Do you hey, understand we were on a radio show where it sounds perfectly normal to say, yeah, I was on the show, you know, with the guy who sets his penis on fire. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I remember that show. You know, fellow author and the, 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 yeah, and the yeah, guy yeah, who's... Yeah, let his penis on fire. And I remember how it goes, look, Jim, you're young in your career. Do yourself a favor. Get, get, stay away from him. <laughs> That's don't, don't associate with Vinnie Mazio Jr. You're going to go Howard nowhere. Howard said that? Yeah, Howard said that on the air. Yeah. Hey, I was doing a show at the Keswick Theater with, with Belzer. Richard Belzer and Vinnie Mazio Jr. Was, had booked us, and he was paying us like five grand a piece or something, and we're in the wings, and he set his dick on fire, and Belzer's like, I need the money. <laughs> I, I want to ask you something, Jim, about your book, because you mentioned Stern. I know we're talking so much about Stern, but it's such an iconic thing, and it changed everybody's career. When you get the thing like, hey, he heard the telemarketer's CD, he wants you on. 
what, are you going in there and make or break? Like, if I fuck up here, I know he likes to telemarketers, but when you went in there, are you thinking, fuck, if I blow this, this is it? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I was going to sit in for the whole show. So I'm like, this is my chance. You know what I mean? I better not. I better not. And I remember being in the green room and everyone's walking by. Howard walks by, Robin, Gary, Fred. I'm like, holy shit. Those are them. <laughs> is this before E? Uh, no, it was E. It was 19. Uh, no, wait, wait, it was 2001. Okay. Oh, so he's there. He's so I'm so gone. I'm gone. Yeah, you were gone about a year or so, and they were going to have me sit in for the whole day. And it would give me one day to sit in, and I was like, oh, man, I go, all right, look, man, I, I know this show. I've been listening to it as a kid. So, so you were a fan. Yeah, I was a super fan. So I knew. So I, I just knew. And I remember that, like, he opened the mics. He goes, hey, we have Jim Florentine as a comedian whatever. And then he started telling a story how he was walking on the beach with his wife, his girlfriend at the time, Beth. He goes, and they found a bird or something like that. And, and they, they took the bird in and whatever. And he goes, it was just really romantic. And I go, um, and he's like, what, what was that, Jim? I go, I'm just saying, can you check your pants for a penis? <laughs> it got a big laugh, like the third minute in. And then at the break, I like he goes, dude, he goes, just, you sound great. Just do what you're doing. It's perfect. Because I knew he wouldn't get mad at that. I said yeah. that. Right, mm-hmm. right. It's just all ball busting and stuff. And once I got that one laugh under my belt, the yeah, whole room yeah, right. started cracking like, up. You step that on the it. stage once they leave. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you're good to go. And that was it. And then he just took a liking to me. And intimidating, just, though, while you're in there? Intimi- like, were you still hesitant, intimidating while you're sitting there with, with Stern? Yeah, well, 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 the thing is to when to but jump you in. Really, once you get to let you because you, you you're shut off to the world it's you and, and howard and robin and fred it's like the concept of millions of people out there is is it kind of gets lost because you're caught up in you do you know, and you open up because you just think you're hanging around with a bunch of friends meanwhile you 20 million people are listening but you know yeah, and you go oh my friend ed he's an asshole and then you realize right Yay! yeah now i gotta deal with that <laughs> i got 17 voicemails when i finally get off the air like, yeah. what the fuck <laughs> but i just remember because you know listening because jackie would would talk here and there, and he'd write jokes, he'd be laughing and stuff, so he knew when to come in. And I remember Gary saying, look, he goes, Howard, it's Howard's show, and he knows what he's doing, but if you feel like you should jump in, jump in. But if you don't want to, if you don't feel like you should jump in, just don't jump in for, for, for the sake, for, of, for jumping sake in, of jumping in. Right. So that was always the fine line, like, should I interrupt him? He's on a roll and all that. So once you got to, you know, so I didn't speak as much as I thought I should, but I didn't want to be that annoying guy, like, oh, my God, who right, is this right. guy? Just shut up over there. You know, very early on, <clears throat> we... Uh, it's funny because people always say, God, what time would you guys have to get there in the morning to start preparing? And I'm like, people can't believe that. I used to walk in and pick up my pen. That's how much preparation we did, you know, except for writing a parody or something like that. But in the early days, we'd stay afterward, afterwards and write stuff, you know, like a, a bit or a song parody or something. And it was very early on. And Cher had a new boyfriend that was a, a bagel maker. And it was, it was in the news, and it was like, how ripe can anything be? So we're going to do a parody of I Got You, Babe. And uh, and he was really young, right? Yeah, yeah. Rob something. Rob Cat- Cataletti Rob or Camaletti, something. and he Cam- was a bagel maker. So uh, we're going to do his point of view, him singing. Fred singing as Rob Camaletti, and you know, I got Cher, babe. So we're sitting there, and, and Howard's sitting there, and me and Fred, and we're laughing, and we're writing, and we get to the B section of the song, the middle section of the song. And... And just to myself, I was like, <laughs> and Howard said, what? I said, no, no, no. He says, what? I said, it's too, you know, it was so stupid, I was embarrassed to, to open my mouth. And he says, what? And, and I told him my line, and it was the funniest line in, in, the, in the song, but it was so bad, and it was in the middle, it was like, uh, I got, uh, in, you know, I got you, babe. And then the middle section is, I got flowers in the spring. I got you to wear my ring, you know. 
And then so the, the last two lines of the middle section was, I see London, I see France, I saw Cher in her underpants. <laughs> and then the whole world drove off the road. And he said, listen, don't ever edit. I'll edit. Yeah, you give us, you know, give us everything you got. And I'll always edit. And I never forgot that. Real quick, back to books. You guys do audio versions of the books? You said Artie did yours. You do an audio version? Yeah. And you I've, did it yourself, right? Yeah. How was that? Because like, a ton of authors came on this say it's a pain in the ass doing the audio shit. I thought it was going to be the most horrendous time I ever had in my life, and I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Jim, it. Jim, what was your experience? Did you but love it? It was, it was tough to do, because by like the third hour, you're seeing double, because you're sitting in a studio reading. And you're missing words, and then you got to go take a break. They go, just go take a walk or whatever, just get out because they're lighting and just reading constantly, and they want every word. They, I don't know if they wanted, they didn't want me to ad lib. They want no, to write yeah, from the No, you got to read what? That's, that's kind Verbert, of like, verbatim? Yeah, it's verbatim. Handcuffs. So, and then they're sitting there reading it with you, and they go, oh, you just missed a word. You missed the, you missed this, so go back. Like that, so you really have to get it perfect. So you almost get to the point where you're like, man, do I know how to speak? Like by the third or fourth. The yeah, first couple like hours it, are my, great. My lips from wood, you know. So you're, yeah. you're literally sitting in a room with your book, reading it? Yeah, at a recording studio. Yeah, it took me like three, three, nine hours sessions. And the one cool thing about your book, and I guess I want to ask about, like you'll be telling like, oh, I started cranking on because I'm doing this. And then the next paragraph would be, Grown men showing up at the baseball game with a fucking mitt. Yeah. So is that how you had to read it? Like, did you read yeah. that? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So you go from one category to another and stuff? Yeah, just go back and forth. Yeah, I wanted to skip around the book. It, it kind of was good that you weren't allowed to ad lib because then you don't feel prepped, you know. Because otherwise, it'd be, how often do I insert something or try and show some personality? Right, because then you're going to miss some. You might miss some of the, the stuff in the book, too, if you're ad libbing. So I guess it was good. It was a pain. I thought I could. You know, just makes it, you know, say fuck a little more or whatever in the book. But it, it was probably better. But, yeah, it was a pain in the ass. But they pay you, so. And, you know, Jackie's got a unique voice. You have a unique you know, voice. So i got to keep if, myself from laughing. Right. But I, uh, laugh if I, I, got, I got Jackie's audio book, and I'm like, it better be Jackie, because I want to hear Jackie tell these stories. I don't want to hear somebody else. Because, you know, if, if the, you don't know the author's voice, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but it's different with a comedian. You want to yeah. hear that exact person. That's yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. So, so you, you get... Who brings fucking Chad here everywhere? Chad knocking shit down. I don't know what's going on. Did you invite him? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Chad, this is like, you, you know what's good? So Jackie comes on, he gets me Jerry Cooney on my show. Jim Florentine comes on, I get Chad Zumach. This is, this scales yeah, don't even I know. out. Yeah, I, I know Jim brings better guests. <laughs> I get it. I know what you're saying. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't really even out yeah, here. I don't, yeah, I know. I don't. I'm, who cares about Jerry Cooney? I'm with you. Hey, book-wise, you said your book took three years to make? Yeah, pretty much from when I first started. Was it too. fun to do one now? Yeah, it was a pain in the ass along the way. I'm sure you went through it too. Did you sit down and write it, or did you write chunks here? Because I was I started in 1994. You know, well, oh, my first right. forward was I'm sitting in the airport with Gilbert Gottfried, and we're going to you know because Rory, my manager at the time, said, "Hey, I think William Morris wants a book." And guess what? Hey, they didn't. <laughs> you know, so right. I, I had a hunk, and then the internet came and I wrote some stories. So it was mine's all piecemeal, you know. Mine was more like based on my podcast, the rants that I do on my podcast. So I have my uh, podcast transcribed, like those rants. That I, so I got them transcribed through a company, and then I just edited them down. And I sent them a book editor. They would chop it to more book form, and I would send it back, notes back and forth. So we did it like that. But it's, you, know, you know what's fucked up about your book? You'll read your book, and it's shit. I'm like, oh, shit, do I do that? Because I'll tell you, Julie and I go to, go, on, go to Europe, and I'll tell you what we did. We fucked up bad. Well, I fucked up bad. We're in uh, Portugal, and we go to some castle. And the sunset's there. So I'm like, oh, we'll get a nice picture of the sunset. And she convinced me to do the heart hand thing. Like, I do half of a heart. 
She does. Oh, have, oh it was brutal. Yuck. She and then she puts it on Instagram. My phone's beeping. Like, dude, what the, what's wrong with you? You pussy. Oh, I got crushed by everybody. It's so it's two hearts. Oh, it was the worst thing. I think that's very. But Jack, nice. but he, so I thought it was good. Too. I thought it was good too. And then you're reading Jim's book. I'm like, shit. Do I bring my mitt to a game? Okay, I don't. <laughs> that's why he wrote the book to help you. A, a, a grown man shouldn't bring his baseball mitt to a game to catch a foul ball, if unless you're with your kid. That, you know what I mean? The like, kid why, brings his mitt to the game. Right, the kid brings him in, and he says, to "Dad, you bring your mitt too, so maybe we can." All right, but if you're just going with your guy friend. And you're bringing a mitt? You know, even when I was a kid, I don't think I, it never even dawned on me to bring my mitt to the game. Because I don't Jack, you were hippie. that you kind didn't... of lucky, you know. But here's what, here's what Jim would do. I'm like, you know what? I brought my mitt when I was younger. And then Jim wouldn't just end it with, don't bring your mitt, don't be a man. He'd be like, because then you go into a bar down in, like, in Wrigley. What are you going to show up? I'm trying to get laid. With that mitt, beat it, guy. Like, yeah. like oh, shit. That's I true. The, I saw these guys hit, the guys that brought their mitts, they were hitting on these chicks during the game. So I'm like, what if they want to, it was at Camden Yards, there's all bars around. You're going to feel up a girl. Oh, no. Yeah, I got the mitt on. Or they go, hey, let's go to the bar next door to the stadium. And then they, they're at the, at the door and the bounce like, you can't bring your mitts in. Like, no, come on, we're just a game. No, you got, and they got to go bring their mitts in the car. Oh, How that's, embarrassing is that? That's. That's beyond. Or else they put it in their belt, you know, right, like yeah. link, you know. No, that rant was good. And the one other thing I loved the most about the book, I don't know if it was true, and I'm pretty sure it was. And even if it's not, you wouldn't lie about it. Did you really? The cops really come to the house with the uh, abortion thing? Oh yeah, Can no, you tell, they're the, all true stories. Dude, that was fucking insane. I never heard that ever, like anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I um, I did, did, you know, these telemarketers when they would call on it. I was like, I got to get a reaction out of them. You know what I mean? I want to see if they still stay on the phone. So I, whatever craziness in the background let's see how far i could push it so i did this one call this woman called <laughs> trying to sell me something i had my friend there with my girlfriend at the time and he, and she, scream, she's screaming when i picked the phone the woman's like what's going on everything okay over there yeah my friend just gave my girlfriend a home abortion so she's oh. like <laughs> yeah she goes you want me to call back i go no nah. i go he said he knows what he's doing we'll be right back i'm trying to save a few bucks <laughs> around the holidays you know what i mean he's got a tool chest here we had the vacuum going and she's just screaming. Oh, God. And she stayed on the phone for like three minutes. And then she finally hung up. She was disgusted. She was talking like 100 miles an hour. And then... Uh, well, was she calling from like the Midwest or something like that? I don't remember where. No, it was from like Boston or something. It was some company. But she had my address and all my information right in front of us. So she called the cops in my town and said, hey, this guy, you know, there's a home abortion going on. This woman's screaming. How hard did the cop laugh when you told well, him? I, well, no, they, well, they kicked my door down because I left, like, right after. We went to go get some coffee. Me and my friend, my girlfriend's like, you're such an asshole. You're going to hell. So they broke the door down yeah, because the they thought, Yeah, they thought there was someone bleeding upstairs. <laughs> So I come I'm home 20 minutes late. All my neighbors start. are out front. My fucking the doors off. There's splinters of wood all over. I go, what happened? They go, the, the cops are here. They were looking for you. It was a 911 call. Well, I'm like, oh shit. Didn't the, you have to go to court too? Yeah. Well, they had ambulance. EMS workers showed up because they really thought someone was bleeding upstairs. I had to go to court. I was facing six months. Did it in wind jail. up going around the neighborhood because people wind up thinking, hey, did you hear the news? There was an abortion. It's Florentine's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. They, they, of course, everyone was talking about. It. I go, look, man, I'm a comedian, you know. And then when I told them, I go, I'm a comic. That's funny. How was that funny? But then Where's what the happens joke? when the, you really do have an abortion in the house? What, what, Don't put I, it on the air, Jackie, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I won't pick up the phone. I'll, I'll wait till it's over. Oh, that's a fun. I got to make a book. That's wait, and the, uh, can I play spoiler alert? Wasn't there one other time when the cops came? What was the other one? Was it the... I said I was going to kill an old lady. Oh. <laughs> I said I hit this old lady with my car because they were trying to offer me, like, do I need $10,000 for a loan? I said, yeah, I just hit this old lady with my car. Oh, another telemarketer. Yeah, another telemarketer. That was like two weeks before the abortion one. 
And I go, yeah, I visit her in the hospital. I got to buy her, uh, you know, a new walker, oh, a pen diaper. You know what I mean? I'm like, how much is this going to cost? We're all adding it up. And she goes, okay, what's your what's your account number? I'm going to transfer ten thousand dollars. And I'm like, I don't want this. So I go, I'm just going to go to the hospital and smother with a pillow. Can you call back in like an hour? She's like, what? I go, yeah, I'm just going to go kill her and then call back an hour. So then she called the cops. They had two detectives at my door. Fifteen minutes later, it wasn't the same guys. It was the same guys two weeks later. Because they were the ones that kicked down my door. They go, we think it's a joke, but we got a check. And when I went down to the police station after they came, because I would tell them it was a joke, the abortion one, it was the same two cops. Yes. Look, man, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't didn't think I was going to go over the line. There is enough reason for them to never do another telemarketing call. And his book actually is awesome. I, I got it at the stand, and I'm reading it. And I'm telling you, it's like, oh, I grew up, I want to be a comic, I'm this. You know, it's telling stories about, oh, hey, I got on Crank Anchors, I meet Eminem. And then it's like 10 rules about asshole flight attendants. It's like, in three hours, we'll be landing in Vegas. It's July. It's 97 degrees. You're like, we get it, guys. <laughs> no, it's like when you're flying to Florida. Like, uh, you know, it's 82 and sunny. You know, it's 1 o'clock. We'll give you an update in a couple hours in the weather. I go, what is it going to be? Is it going to be 84? <laughs> yeah. I'm not flying a kite. I don't give a fuck. I know. I know. The wind, you know what I mean? It means nothing to me. I'm just going like in to try to get pussy nothing. and drink beers. Do I, do, I need, do I need a sweater or not? Right. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. I need a sweater. <laughs> the last thing about the book that I, I crack go chase pussy and drink beer. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't care. What's your phone number, oh, Blondie? You mean it's going to be 85 at 4 o'clock? <laughs> and it was 82 at 1? That's crazy. Never heard of that. Keep me in the loop. <laughs> the only good news about that is the pilot's awake. You know. That's, that's true. The one funny thing that you never told me is that you did Crank Anchors. That kind of made your name heavy. You do Crank Anchors. Eminem calls you out there. You go to Detroit. You never told me that Eminem would prank you. Yeah. And Chad told me, and then it was in your book, but you knew it was him. Yeah, I knew it was him because he would do the, the special ed voice, the character I did on Crank Gang, because Eminem had my number, and he was fascinated by the character, so he would call me and prank me as that character. And he didn't know you knew. He didn't know I knew, and I pretended I didn't know because I wanted him to keep calling me. <laughs> it's I'm like, who is this? I'm like, you're, t- you're uh, that's just terrible. You got the, you do the worst impression if you just keep doing it. I knew it was him. It was coming from like a block number. And I knew the way he did he it. He was bad at it. He kept calling me like three times a week. He would call me <laughs> at like 11 or midnight. and say, no, call, you know, private number. I'm like, this is Eminem. I'm like, hello? He's like, oh, I'm like, uh, who is this? <laughs> and he's like, fucking Eminem's calling my house. It's amazing. No, J- Jack, did you ever get those like crazy? Uh... I, when I first started on the stupid Stern show. I think he got me three times. It might have been twice, but I think three times where they, my wife or whatever, Jackie, phone call. Hello? Hello, this is Harold Berger from the William Morris Agency. We'd like to speak to Jackie Martling. Uh, this is him, and it was Howard. And, but, he, you know, hello, this is Charlie Schmidt, lab from CAA. Is Jackie Martling there? Whoa, this is me. It's Howard, you asshole. You know? right. <laughs> it's like, but he got me. You know. They never did it on the air, though, right? To, they didn't no, no, you no, no, right, right, no, yeah. no. This is like when I was on once a week, way, way, but, you know, back when he was fun. Did you ever get one of those crazy uh, celebrities that became a fan of yours through the show that you can't believe they were a fan? Well, you were friends with Clooney, right? You, didn't you get Clooney yeah, on that the was, show? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it's so funny, you know, because I was always saying we should have George Clooney on the show because I was such a huge fan of ER. But I didn't know him or anything, but it, but it turned out he was such a huge fan of the show. No, who knew? And and I would always be arguing for him because it got to a point where, you know, have Fred, Fred like his Tourette's, like Fred has things he just yells, and all of a sudden we'll be talking about something, and Fred would go, George 
Clooney! You know, right. like that. And then finally, when he did the movie with Jennifer Aniston, uh, what, uh, not Jennifer Aniston, but Jennifer Lopez, he finally got booked on the show. And he came on the show and gave me a big hug because he knew... That, that I, you were always I, fighting, I, fighting for him. Yeah, to get fighting on the show. for him, but I didn't know he knew that. And then we wound up, I wound up getting to hang out with him for two seconds, and it was just incredible. You know, his his, his assistant Amy Cohen was good friends with Gary, and my wife and I missed a, an episode of uh, West Wing, no, of ER, but it was a pivotal episode, and nobody's kept their VCR copies, and I'm like, what are we going to do? So Gary. <laughs> Talked to Amy and she sent, she FedExed me the copy that I was missing. So me and her became friends. I sent her all my crap. And then when I went out to LA, you know, I'm hanging out with Amy and we're having a great time. And we went to see this group that wound up being the Super Troopers guys, oh, Broken yeah. Lizard. So they're friends with them and George is backing them and everything. But <clears throat> so me and Amy are there. We go to see Broken Lizard and it's so much fun. And then we get in the car and we're smoking pot. We're stoned as hell, and we go to this bar, and it's so crowded, and she takes my hand, she pulls me through the bar, and all of a sudden she sits me down, and I sit down, and it's Clooney and Miguel Ferrer sitting there, and I'm like, drunk and stoned, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I'm never intimidated, but like I was out of my mind stoned, and it was a hang, you know, so it was very cool. Yeah, <laughs> That's cool shit when like legit celebrities are fans of yours. Do you get that too or no? I'm not fans, I'll tell you. Not fans of you, Jack. That, the fans are stoned. That, that trip out there, Amy took me to see, um, whatever, wherever, whatever the Warner Brothers, and they were just making Perfect Storm. So there's this huge basin of water with all technical equipment around it because they're, they're shooting whatever. And she took me to the ER set. And we walked around and we went to Central Perk, and I got my picture. Smelling Jennifer Aniston's director's chair. And so she takes me and we go to a trailer. And uh, Gloria Rubens and Juliana Margulies are in the trailer. And we walk up the stairs to the trailer. She's in, and I hear my laugh because they were listening to Best of Stern in their trailer. And it was like, it was kind of surreal. You know, I yeah. walked in and they were as glad to meet me as I was to meet them. And I said, this is, this is cool. That's awesome. That is, that is fun, you know. And but they're what they're fans of, friend, fans of Howard, not of me. But you know, I was on the show. You yeah, know, you're downplaying yourself a little bit. You are, you know that. The, I, you know, I want to give up the floor. I know I'm being a hog here. No, it's all good, man. Yeah, the, but listen to you. When, when Private Parts came out, we uh, had our the, the screening in L.A. and we were we were on top of the world. I mean, you know, it, for, for however long. I mean, it was number one in the country. It only only made fifteen million dollars. That's probably the biggest the show has ever been. Right, and it was it what was the crazy. time. Yeah, and, okay. You know, sometimes the, the top movie of the week makes ninety-five million. Sometimes it makes four million. But this at fourteen point eight million, we're the number one movie of the, of the week. And we went to the Sky Bar after the screening, and so me and Gary and Stuttering John <clears throat> are standing there talking to. George Clooney, John Stamos, and Dean Cain. Just a bunch of equals. Yes, yeah. couple. Of, and we're sitting. There, this is the greatest story. Only in Hollywood. So we're standing there laughing and drinking, and having a great time. And this is up, up the stairs in the sky bar. So it's a little area, and we're all hanging out. And there's millions of ridiculous girls. So me and John and Gary and Stamos are still talking, but Clooney and Cain make their way because there was a narrow staircase this wide. Coming up, so they stood at the top of the stairs, 
you know, hitting on the broads. You know, the girls are coming up and they're like holding court as the girls are coming by. And Stamos looks over at them and he turns to us and goes, look at those poor broads. They can't make up their minds. Superman or Batman? Superman or Batman? <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. Time, that's who they were. I'm like, holy Christ. That's is funny. That a Hollywood story or what? <laughs> and you it's know? you, Baba Booey, and Stuttering John <laughs> being the contest contestant. And they were as happy to be standing there, tell, you know, shooting the crap with us as we were. Which I is- was at the New York premiere of Private Parts. You guys had it at the theater at Madison Square Garden. David Lee Roth played outside, or was, and Rob Zombie and Howard did their live it was uh, so song. Great. Yeah, I was there like a, with some little cable company that I was working for, and we tried to get some interviews. But the most it was, exciting It was night. great being outside and the red carpet, all you guys walking it. Number one movie, Madison Square Garden, premiere, and Howard insisted on doing a radio show. So after the premiere and after the movie, we had a few minutes to catch our breath, and then we sat there and did a radio show. The, you know, you want to do anything. But work, <laughs> you know. But he he couldn't wait till six o'clock in the morning to talk about it. He just couldn't, you know. And he didn't he didn't want to hang with people, so we're sitting there at you know eleven o'clock at night doing the stupid radio. I didn't Every, know you guys did a radio show oh, after okay. that, but that was him. Him and Rob Zombie went on stage that night and did that song. Right, right, did right. The song they opened the show with, and I remember David Lee Roth American did like Nightmare? a pre-party thing. David Lee Roth went out there and sang was, some Van Halen songs. I mean, and who would have guessed that David Lee Roth would take over? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you were that big of a fan Well, you went there for the radio, uh, the TV thing you were doing? Oh, yeah. Would you, you had went there by yourself. You were that big of a Stern fan? Oh, yeah, huge. I mean, I was, you know, when NBC, right before they got fired, I was on a construction site lesson, and I made sure, I told everyone, do not, no power tools are to be, <laughs> are to be used until the commercial breaks. Because the commercial breaks are like 10 minutes. I go, that's when you do it. If there's, and, I, you know, we had the radio on the roof, and we put the roof up, and we listen and laugh, and lesbian dialogated. This is like 1986, like, or 85. Like, this is insane. Fred would be pulling his hair out, trying to get her a break for commercials, and he'd do... We build up so many commercials that he do double breaks. And my friend that taught me guitar a million years ago lived in Bayville, and he worked in Hicksville. And he said there were a lot of mornings. I got in the car, and by the time I got to work, I never heard a word of of material because it was like twelve minutes of solid. Yeah. Com- uh, people would be suicidal. Yeah, yeah. Right? I used to have it because used to be on a ninety-eight point five WNCX in Cleveland. So I would listen every morning, and I would always catch the commercials all the time for 20 minutes. Oh, it was endless, yeah. endless. But that's, you know, it was, it, they were printing money. It was incredible. It, yeah. it, it was appointment radio. You couldn't miss it ever, any morning. You couldn't miss a start show. I love it, the stories when people say, yeah, we'd pull over and outside the Lincoln Tunnel because you didn't want to miss what happened. And then that was so just crazy. So I the, used to record them. I used to buy... Um, uh, two hour, uh, 120 minute cassettes. So it was 60 minutes on each side. T120s. <laughs> and I'd just get up at like, because I was working, so doing stand up out till like two in the morning. So at like 6 a.m., I'd set my alarm, I hit record and play, go back to sleep. And then I would listen to them at night doing road gigs. I'd put them in my car and I'd listen to the show then. I'd flip it over I'd, at 10 20 or whatever it was or 7 30. And I'd flip the side over and then I would listen to it at I'd night. I still meet people that say, oh, yeah, I used to send the, the show to my brother in Australia or my, my, my cousin was in the service in Germany. And like, it was insane. Yeah. You know? uh, no, I, this the same radio station that played Stern in Cleveland. The salespeople for years, because you guys were so popular, they would just fax their. Uh, whatever documents over to the people that wanted to advertise, they wouldn't even go cold calling anymore. They would just fax them out. Then when Stern left, they were like, oh, we got to sell? We don't, they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they didn't know what their job was. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny, Jim. You just mentioned the tape and rec- the recording of it. So 
I'm a little bit younger. So I listened to Stern because I remember I would drive my dad. I'm like, this is cool shit. Like, you know, when you drive with your dad, there's always that awkward, we'd talk Yankees. But then Stern would talk and he'd say dirty shit. I'm like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool. It's a huge bonding thing. When I got a little older, that's how I was with Opie and Anthony. So my buddy lived in Boston. He's like, yo, there's these two guys coming down, Opie and Anthony. Just tape some of their shows and send them up to me. They'd be forced syndication. They weren't good in the beginning. So I would just tape, tape, and tape. In Right now, in my mom's garage down the Jersey Shore, I have around five to 6,000 of Opie and Anthony tapes. <laughs> yeah, it was like upset. And then I became like an obsessive fan. So when you talked about how you were with Stern, I was yeah. like obsessed, obsessed with Opie and Anthony at that way. And it was uncomfortable. I would tape it. I'd go to school. I'd go to college. I'd listen to Francesca because I was a Mike and the Mad Dog guy. And then every night, I'd be listening to fucking Opie and Anthony on the stuff. In the first couple of years, Nancy recorded all the shows. Well, all, you, you know, still have them? I have like a couple hundred cassettes in my basement. I tried one the other day, and it still works, you know. Well, but it's really space and time, you know, the original ads and the whole deal. It's not best of. It's like, you know, all the farts and burps, you know. And, and I talked with Opie, and I'm like, dude, I have some of the tapes that they're not even on the internet. Like, they're some of your first 75 or 100 shows that no one has. And I threw one in. And you listen, like, we, they were talking about, like, email. They're like, I emailed you. I was like, I don't even know how to sign on to that shit. It's like weird listening to shit from like the... I was the first guy on the show <laughs> that had anything to do with, with the internet. And a, a guy came in and said to me and Nancy, you guys want to be on the World Wide Web? And I'm like, sure. What is that? And Howard used to do my plug. And he used to get so annoyed. Because in the days when it sounded like a foreign language, he'd say, all right, Jackie, he, has, he wants me to read this. H... T T P colon <laughs> slash slash star enterprises dot C O M slash joke. Oh, and he gets so pissed off. And there, of course, everybody made fun of me, you know, and five minutes later, all of a sudden the whole world's on the internet. But it was so, it was, there was a time when it was so foreign. And that's not 1962. That's like 1995, maybe? Yeah. And here we are, 2018, on the internet. On the internet. <laughs> World Wide Web. World Wide Web. Hey, I want to ask you a personal question. Relax, Jackie. We're going to go six, six and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Limp? Hey, thanks, Jackie, for saying eight. <laughs> I keep bumping it up. <laughs> no, because I, I go, I, Julia was like, after she met you now, of course, she's the biggest fan. She went on YouTube. You did that cool shit. What was it? Meet the Creeps? Dude, you had me legit laughing out loud. You walked into a Chinatown... What were you in Chinatown fishing? Yeah, dude, those are some and the pepper jokes. <laughs> Why'd you guys stop doing that? Well, we did like we did these hidden camera pranks. Chinatown. L- Jack, listen to these two pranks. They we did. went to a supermarket in Chinatown and we bought like uh, it was KC. You remember KC from the Stern Show? Me, KC, and Don Jameson went in there with a hidden camera and we just put like little SpongeBob fishing poles. We put hats on and we just went right over to the fish tanks. We started trying to catch fish. We went behind the counter and we're sitting there with our fish. Like, what are you doing? Like, oh, we're just going to catch our fish. Like, no, we'll get them for you. Go, no, you guys are busy. Don't worry about it. And we wound up catching the fish. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, you can't do that. I go, no, you guys are busy. Don't we'll catch our own fish. It'll be fine. And I caught one. I brought it up to the register. Uh, it was flopping around. I'm standing on line like this as it's flopping at the register. Oh, that's so great. Dude, that one killed me in the pepper thing. Oh, yeah, when you just keep putting pepper on the chicken. I ordered chicken. I made the guy put pepper on my chicken for 35 straight minutes. Oh, <laughs> just switching arms. Right. He better bring another pepper guy in. Really, pepper guy, <laughs> 10 minutes in, his arm's tired. Another guy comes in. But, Jackie, he's sitting <laughs> yeah. there. And uh, Norton was there, I think, yeah, right? Norton was Norton there, Norton was yeah. there. And everyone's like, no one wants to make eye contact. Because this dude did, like, 17 minutes. And finally, he's like, someone else comes in. And Jim's like, yeah, you know, this isn't really peppered enough. Yeah. Finally, they went back. And they... 
they, and he just brought a bowl out and dumped the whole bowl. Yeah, because they ran out of pepper mills and they were just breaking up in the back and dumping it in a bowl and that's so, and dumping that's it right so on classy. top. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. and then he ate it. It was thirty-seven minutes, and you ate. Look, you ate it? Yeah, I mean, look, I've eaten, I've eaten strange pussy before. What's the difference? I, I, I you know what I mean, that. right? I don't blame you. There's kids listening. Come on, man. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Please. In a parking lot, wherever. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if she just came from Preacher, a jog. Excuse me, honey. A jog. Yo, I love the use of the kids who listen. So Jackie's on, and we have Rob O'Neill on, the dude who killed Bin Laden. And he might have had a few uh, few cocktails. He might have. So he goes, uh, Jackie, I'm going to stump you. Jackie's like, no, you're not. So he's, he's setting up Jackie for any, every joke. Jackie's killing him. Jackie's crushing him. Knows every answer to him. Then Rob starts going a little, little pedo. He starts doing... It, Pedophile joke. I'm following his lead, you know, but everybody wound up, you know, they didn't even want to even put the, the podcast on the air, Yeah, right? so, so now... His people are like, we can't use it. He started it! Jim, I didn't, so, Jim, so we, we're doing a podcast. He's sloshed. He came literally from the airport, which seems to be like an overriding thing with this This seems dude. to be his life. Yeah, his game. He shows up here, suitcase, comes upstairs, drinking, doing shots. He's setting up Jack for all these pedo jokes. And Jackie's like, okay, I'll... I'll finish the pedal. I know the answers. So well, I look like the bad guy. No, so now we finish it. I'm like, oh my, this is great. Him, so O'Neill has like 300,000 followers. Jackie, this guy, Alex Wumai, this basketball player who has like a zillion followers. They're all like, dude, I can't wait to tweet this. It was like the best time we ever had. So I, I, I loaded up. All of a sudden, my phone's going crazy. It's just public. It's like, dude, you got to take it down. He's taking pedal jokes. Please. I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to fuck anybody. So I tell Julia, Julia, just edit out all O'Neill shit. So you hear the first edit. It's like me. I'm like, so, Rob, how's the Yankee game? And Jackie's like, so this three-year-old boy. So it sounded like Jackie was just doing random pedo jokes. It's on me. Yeah, we had to edit all that. Listen, if you kill Bin Laden, you can tell pedo jokes. Yeah, That's really, what I would. Please. Well, he, he was, you know what's funny? So I, you, I, get, you get some kind of a buy. Yeah, you get a pass. That was a surprise. Chad knew this. He was coming tonight. He lives... Uh, like eight blocks away, he was coming here. But he had to go to the airport and get drunk first. Well, no, dude, <laughs> Jackie. He was on, he was on the front page of TMZ. He's like, dude, I'm not coming there. I'm not coming there well, with that Jackie. Just happened two days ago. Oh, oh, I thought that was an old story. No, two days ago, the t- the TMZ thing happened. He was like, I'm not coming there with Jackie and Jim. They're gonna. I'm like, no, we won't mention it. Obviously, we would have. So you that's why did. He, you just yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want to. Don't wanna... you get yourself on the camera? You're too cute. Well, Jackie, we're trying to hook you up with her mom. Dang, she's too old. <laughs> Who? Her or her mom? Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's go around. Plug the book. Uh, everybody is awful except you. It's in bookstores on Amazon. If you hate social media, like my book. It's a lot of rants. <laughs> what other stuff do you have coming up? I know you just did Stone Cold. You're doing every radio, every podcast. What else you got coming up? Anything, anything um, really cool coming up? I'm going to be dropping a deuce in about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show up for that. <laughs> That's probably. Per- is it a door deal? Uh, yeah, it's a door deal. <laughs> I'm trying to think how many, how many times I'm going to do that in the hour you're waiting. Probably three. <laughs> you don't pass a bathroom. You know, it used to just be pee, and now it's like, you know. No, I'm, I'm poop shy. I won't do it. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I, Did uh, you read about this? I don't know if it happened yet. Some guy hasn't gone to the bathroom in 40 days. Because of the drugs. Because of the yeah, drugs. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you my, poops, my poop shy. It's, it's not even funny. I was, uh, I was traveling. I was in a... Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean you're embarrassed no, or I, that you lock up? <laughs> no, I... I, 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 I when I, you were on that romantic thing with your girlfriend, when you made the hearts, did you shit there? No, well... You know, <laughs> mo- most of the time... <laughs> did you shit through the heart? Listen, I, 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 I make her actually... Ex- I actually leave the room. I get like... So listen, listen to this issue. I'm in, I'm in uh, Thailand. I go away and uh, I have a... 
you know, 20 hour flight home. So I'm in Thailand. I have to go. I'm like, here, I'll hold it. I don't go in the um, airports. Bangkok has a really nice airport. So we get there. We're running late. So I'm holding it for like eight hours. I won't go on the flight. So we land in China. We're in like Gangzhou, China. We have a 12 hour layover. I'm like, I'll go there. But like, when I go, and this is not even funny, I'm not trying to be funny, make jokes, use all comedians. I actually get naked when I shit. Like, I'm, I'm really get like, it's a weird thing. I put the water on. Yeah, you're a weirdo. Yeah, no, I get like in the zone. It's a real fucked you up even thing. Take your pants you even off? take your hat off? Yeah, you no, I, like, I get fully naked. I put is the it water like a on. Ritual? Yeah, I, I get really. Like, what I'm, song do you have to put on? No, no, no music, <laughs> just the water. So now, Gangs Gao. Wait, the, what kind of water? The, just the faucet, like the, the, the uh, bathtub, because I can't put the sink on because then the water would sprinkle on me. Why do you put this? Because I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear me, and I don't want. Nobody, I don't want to hear anything. Some people need water too. No, no. So now I'm in Gangzhou Airport and they don't have uh, toilets. It's only the holes in the floor. With the two pads? Yeah, you so, stand I, there so I hold fly? it. So I'm getting a little sick. I have a 12 hour flight home. Julia, we were just dating. She's like, oh, I'll pick you up at the airport. I'm like, no, you can't. She's like, I'll pick you up. Because I know, you know we're going to hook up. I'm like, no, I land. I have to take up. I held it for like 23 hours. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I I can't do it anywhere. So what did you do in the airport when you got back? No, no, I, I had to. I land, went through customs, got in a cab, and came home. I, I have. I can't do it anywhere. See, so she didn't pick you up. You don't no. have a choice. What? <laughs> you, it's, you know, it's not a question of when; I, it's a question of very, where. The yeah. only time we did it, I'm telling you, we traveled together. Just now, we were in Europe, and I got sick in Spain, and we're in the church. I'm like, I'll be right back. She's like, you okay? I'm like, sweat because I'm thinking about it now the whole day, and I had to do it there. But like, I'm in um, La Sangria, fam- the famous church. And I had to get naked. I had to hold my stuff. Yeah, it was. It's horrible. It's. Is this every time? Every time I get naked. It's a real bit. It, it's not. So what happens when she's over your house? Or well, we live together now. Right, but like so. when she goes, so she like, turns on the water feed. Yeah. No, I turn on. I turn on the <laughs> toilet. I turn on the bathtub, and I get fully in the zone. Like I put my uh, fingers over my ear. Why undress? I don't know. So is you she, don't is, get any on you? No, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, we've been doing it for yeah. Even my family knows about. It. They will make fun of her. Like, does he make you leave the room? I used to make. I know a lot of people and i never heard yeah i know yeah no is she is she eating your ass that much no no. like i gotta hold it in she i'm like no i don't gain one year it's a real fucked up thing this is a good transition for jackie's plugs yeah jackie imagine his water bill (laughs) he's gotta put the tub on every time he has to take a a little weird you know i'm really bad going to japan okay and we're on the the bullet train and i go into the men's room and there's a hole in the floor and there's like a footprint with you know and a footprint next to it, and like, I went to the conductor. I said, approximately how much of it do you think is going to make it into the hole? <laughs> it's going to be everywhere but there. What's wrong with you, for Christ's sake? Yeah, I can't do it then. Oh, no, like, Missa, you go there. You go there. I can't do it anywhere. Anywhere I can't do it. Like, in dire, like I'll hold it sometimes four hours. I can go anywhere, hours. and I'm, I'm embarrassed. You know, that was Artie's favorite thing about me is that I took a crap out the window. What? What? That's in the in the forward of my book. Yeah, the joke man. I was I was in, bow to stern. Was, we were in the car and like sophomore year of college, and some friends from Syosset were behind us. And you know how you want to be outrageous for the other people. And my buddy was one of those guys. I don't know if you ever had a friend that has a crazy gag reflex. If you do say even say yes. the word crap, <coughs> so he's driving. So the guys are behind me, so I stuck my ass out the window to moon the guys behind us, and I realized that Iconvelli will totally freak out. So he's like, what are you smiling at? I said, I'm going to the bathroom. So he starts gagging, and I don't know. I'm sure we were drunk, and I wiped with my finger. I said, Mike, look. And I wiped oh. it on the outside of the windshield. It's a miracle we didn't crash into a pole. It was hysterical. And so... 
what I already wrote about in the book is that when I was on the radio early on in Stern, and some guy called up because he knew the story. So he thought he'd call up and embarrass me. <laughs> and so the guy describes the whole thing, and Howard's like appalled, you know. And he said, Jackie, is that true? And I said, yeah, a harvest moon. Matter of factly. Oh, God. To this right. day, I don't know what, what the hell came, overcame me. And the guy I can really came to a comedy show in Jersey. And after the show, he comes up and gives me a hug. And how you doing? And I said, Michael, you weren't here? You know, why didn't you tell me you were here? He said, why do you mind? Because I would have told that story. Oh, you would have told it on <laughs> story. Yeah, <laughs> Hey, here's the guy who was, you know. <laughs> I give the Bowder Stern plug. The famous... JackieTheJokeMan.com. There's a special URL. If you go to JackieTheJokeMan.com, the Amazon page comes up. You can get hardcover, and you can get the Kindle and the audio, Audible audio version. And Artie Lang does the forward, but he also did the forward on the audio version. And it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of great feedback. You know, and it's I'm, I'm doing a book signing at uh, the Picture Frame uh, Shop in Oyster Bay on April 7th. And April 26th, I'm at the, the Dolphin Bookstore in Port Washington. And I, I like doing a Q&A. I did a Q&A at the Barnes & Noble, and so much fun, you know, because I'll answer anything. Yeah. No, you know? it's great. If you're they, they, you, you want to do a Q&A, what's off limits? Nothing. Off limits. You know, <laughs> if, if you're a Stern fan, you'll love the book. I mean, I'm a huge Stern fan. I, I got it. It's great. I highly Thanks. recommend it. Where's your and Twitter? I, huh? Your Twitter. At Jackie Martin. Thank you. Chad, give Chad, me your Twitter, good. Chad, because you are fucking... Give me your Twitter. Chad, give me a podcast. I tweet jokes every day at 420 International Marijuana Time. And there you go. It's great fun. It's uh, at Chad Zumach on Twitter and Instagram. You and you I got to spell that. Z- Z-U-M-O-C-K. That's kind of gay, though. <laughs> According to Luke Zumach. Florentine. Luke Florentine hates that Zumach. shit. And it's like podcast? half Chinese and half Polish. It's a Polish name. Polish and Czech. Zumach. Yeah. And Polish plug your podcast. Czech. Come on, Polish Chad. Plug Czech. stuff, man. I'm trying. Sit down, Zumach. Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. This is great. This is you're fun. You really are fun, Sappho. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you guys coming on. We don't care about you. You're so cute. She and plus, we get PBA cards. Yeah. You, you do, and I actually have them for Please. me. But hey, let me say this. I'm going to Bernie Whalen's here. How cool is that? Isn't that cool? He He's wrote a, a book. He writes books he, and everything. He, he a couple of great books. I can't wait to get them. Fifty years of New York crimes. I actually just read the Undisclosed Files. It's this huge book, and it goes back. It's like, uh, come here, Lou. We'll throw them on for the end, and we'll, we'll, Lou, we'll make it in the beginning. So this is this is Lieutenant Whalen of the NYPD. Tell him about the books. All right. Thank you for nice to be here. Hey, my cousin's fans. on the job. All right. Where's he work? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. What's the sixty-one? <laughs> That's how we tell. Anyways. Uh, I have a couple of books, three books actually, Justifiable Homicide, which is a terrific police procedural, Undisclosed Files of the Police, which talks about 200 years of crime in New York City, and the NYPD's first 50 years, which talks about how the NYPD was formed in 1898 when the five boroughs merged to uh, form in New York City. Did Roosevelt have anything to do with that? He, he was, was the governor, uh, he, right? He, he was the, uh, ma- uh, the president of the police board in 1895 and 1896. And don't sell the undisclosed files. I'll tell you the coolest thing. It's a huge, big book. And like every two or three pages, and Jackie, this pitches for you, but Jim, every two or three pages, it's a, like 
the Son of Sam story, yeah, the yeah. mad sculptor. So like the most famous, the uh, Kitty Genovese was she in Kitty that one? Genovese is in so it's it. like it's, the uh, biggest story of each year. Trade Center, uh, and it's intense. Like it, it, wow, yeah, it, it's actually a great book. I actually read it last year. About a hundred over a hundred crimes, all illustrated. It's it's, it's pretty impressive. It, it is I don't pretty like impressive. Brag, but no, it was. And, no, I, no, no, I don't like the brag. And, 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 <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> trade books. You should trade books. With the and and how do you get it, Lieutenant? How do you get it? Oh, you can get it, of course, at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it's also uh, audio book and Kindle. So they're both. Uh, no, we should do some co book signings where they, you know yeah. people ask him. Well, well, well you, me- Jackie, you mentioned that last time. With Rob O'Neill wanted to do it. Alex Moom, now you mentioned it, and then you you kind of like faded out. You didn't no, say anything. No, he. I think. I think they were all very excited, and then the whole pedophile thing kind of, you know. <laughs> well, kind of, according to the it lieutenant, according <laughs> to the lieutenant, that will do it. Back. Lieutenant's like, edit that out right now. <laughs> and it wasn't my get. I had nothing to do with. You know. Well, let me give my little thing. To have you guys on, and like, I know you joked around, and said you were fanboying out, from Stern to Crank Angus to everything. Chad, I listen. I told you when I met you at the Fries Club. And then I went away. Uh, we went to Greece. I, listened, I downloaded all your podcasts. Like, dude, I'm a huge fan of all three of you guys. And to sit down with you guys, dude, it's it's cool as shit. It's like the coolest thing for me to sit down with you guys and just, I just want to say, hey guys, and sit back and hear you guys talk to each other. So it's great fun to and come on. Yeah, on the radio years ago in Cleveland. Which yeah, was great, great. That was fun. that was a thrill. It's it just cool shit to sit here and just like kick the shit and hear you guys tell stories. So thank you for coming on, man. I really and appreciate everybody it. Everybody has to get a copy of. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna get them for all you guys. Copies of Rules for Men. I hope. It's on DVD. We should do a movie screening one night. It, it's at Jokeland. You, so all he does is send me Frank pictures Gorshin. of Jokeland at his house. Frank Gorshin was Gorshin. in. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We're going to end with this. So every time he tells me, hey, come to Jokeland. I'm going to cook. Send me a picture of him on the bay. Never got the full invite. You always tell me you come out there. Never got the address. You know, people say, because I always say people come anytime. And, but if you don't give somebody a date, they never wind up coming. Let's do this exact podcast again at my house. Well, <laughs> all you guys. All you guys. I'll well, make least, steaks for everybody, I promise. At least you know you don't have to clean the bathroom with him coming. He's not going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I need some time to think about that. I know. No, it's going to bother me. That, that's I'm going to text him later. That's my one thing I'm telling you. Go, I like, can't remember going 45 minutes without... You know, unload like something. Jack. I'm gonna tell you the truth right now. If I have to go to the bathroom now and do number two, I'm like, oh, I gotta go. I'd go home. I live like seven block. I'd walk home, turn off the ba- uh, turn on the bathtub, completely naked, like and fingers out. Yeah, I don't get. I know. Naked. <laughs> when I was, young, I get the water. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. When I was young, I get being embarrassed. You know, you don't want Bernie to a hear courtesy flush or something. No, you know, oh no, I, I can't do it at like a bar or at work. Ne- in the, so, so Julia comes home and sees a pile of no, clothes. No, 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 no. It's inside the bathroom, Jack. I don't get outside. If Julia comes home, I'll text her like, hey, I'm in the bathroom. Don't knock. Like She knows, and it's I'm not being like uh, abusive. It, she she knows not to talk when I'm in the bathroom. Like The phone stays out. It's like, it's fucked up. It's, it's, it's funny. Like, what about I, her? Does she poop like a rhino? I, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's funny. Like Valentine's Day, she's probably thinking, oh, is, are you running me a bath? He says, no, I'm shitting. <laughs> yeah. And she know, And you know what? You got petals in there? Rose petals? No, I'm I'm thinking. So, sometimes like, we'll, be, we'll be on the couch watching a movie. Like, I'll be right back. And I don't want like her to know. So I go in the bathroom. And I put this, the tub on. But she knows I'm not taking a bath. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big issue. It's a, really is a big issue. Everybody I have a goes. feeling you're going to be the lieutenant's uh, second book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mad shitter. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's just price. Three hilarious people. I can't thank you enough. Thank oh, you so much for coming on my show, man. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to the guys from Be Terrific. If we're still happening here. Courtney and Michael Arsis. <laughs> Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.